Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I'm your host for today. And we're here with Colton Griffin. He's the CEO of Flourish Software, and they're a supply chain software for the cannabis industry. And we're going to talk about all of the cool things that come along with growing and scaling a business in a new, dynamic, kind of perhaps even crazy kind of industry. So Colton, thanks for hanging out and spending some time with us. Thanks for having me. I'd love for you to take us back to perhaps there's a superhero origin story, if you will, or maybe not, but I'd love for you to go back as far as you can to the beginnings of the business and where the idea was birthed, where it came from, and then catch us up, if you will, onto what it is that you guys do. Yeah, for sure. We started Flourish like a lot of great things, uh, somewhat by accident, but not from nowhere. My background is more traditional enterprise supply chain software. So started my career deploying software and analytics for huge million square foot warehouses and large enterprise supply chains. And as fun as that was, I got the itch to do something more. Did a bunch of consulting as we tried to build some software and figure out how to productize that consulting. And then we happened to meet some folks in the cannabis industry that were really struggling with the software or the lack of software and systems to run their businesses. And we looked back, we looked at this industry and we saw just a ton of growth potential it really matched our technical sort of expertise and our functional expertise. And we felt like we could make a real difference. And it's it's a space that if I think way, way back, maybe to high school and the, the concept of transforming the world with hemp. And of course, like wondering why cannabis was illegal and how does this all work? I don't think I ever would have dreamed I'd be part of actually bringing this to life and making this happen. But here we are. And today... We're helping customers manage all of their cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, and retail operations with software. We operate in about 25 states around the country and Canada. So it's just been incredible to see this industry come out of the shadows and people build amazing businesses and you know scale those businesses. And as we build our business and all the things that, that go into serving a very complex and complicated market. Yeah, I want to take this a couple of ways. The first is, is that, you know, logistics has been around for forever, millennia, right? You know, trying to get things across the Silk Road, whatever it is, that part of it and helping people to manage it. However, the industry and the cannabis industry is a little bit of, I don't know if you would call it new or it's at a, a much more infantile stage perhaps than other industries. And so when you looked at it, was it you trying to bring this tool that is serving so many other industries and just trying to not slap it onto this new industry. But how did you guys approach bridging an otherwise traditional kind of solution into a non-traditional kind of industry? Being focused on a specific vertical, you really have to understand the business before you start deploying software to it, right? So we spent a long time just learning as much as we could about what physically is happening in these businesses and really learning how dynamic some of the requirements and some of the processes are just as this industry is kind of being figured out and how those processes and how those activities differ market by market so that we could design a solution that drew off that experience of moving boxes through big warehouses but was tailored specifically for the customer which we were servicing. And, you know, I have an industrial engineering degree, so a very process mindset, worked in manufacturing, worked in 
like large and small scale distribution, it the fundamentals of labeling things, of an order of operations, of a systems wide thinking, those are like very translatable. The magic is really applying that to the business processes that that we're trying to capture and really being super dynamic and responsive to the needs of our customers and building. And what we saw in this space, just being an emerging market, an emerging supply chain was an opportunity to do things better. It's always easier to build it again the second time, third time, fourth times. We saw an opportunity to build uh, something that's a lot more dynamic, a lot more responsive, a lot more open, a lot, a lot faster to deploy and take all those skills and that experience of seeing this in like more traditional industries and try to level this one up. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting experience doing that. You can't just take something and just drop it in. You really have to understand the user before doing anything. I'd love to double click, if you will, on that because you mentioned that you did a lot of research and there were some nuances that you learned about specific to your industry. What were some of the most surprising things, you know, coming from outside and having an outside perspective? Were there any things that surprised you or stood out to you that maybe were not as intuitive or obvious that initial onset? I mean, the whole concept of traceability in this space is like above and beyond anything that I had dealt with. And I had done a little bit of stuff in pharma and some stuff in grocery and a lot of stuff in just more traditional aftermarket auto parts or fashion. But in most industries, like your regulatory environment is known, even if it's complex. Here, there's a lot of unknowns that in a lot of dynamic movement that you would not expect, right? You wouldn't expect to log into the system and state compliance configuration change, right? Without knowing that and without having a period of time to plan for it. But that happened the last week to us. And that's not infrequent that a new system change will need to be put in place like overnight or yesterday or within a week or within a month. And that That was a little surprising given all the talk about trying to be like very regulated. It's like you're actually making this harder for people to stay compliant by not having any sort of change management. I also, I hadn't had a lot of experience interfacing with government contracted software and the the systems that the states have contracted with currently to serve this made up concept of traceability are so beyond poor that it's almost shocking. It's almost like you're competing to build a worse piece of software. And it's such a massive burden on our operators and our customers. It was a big piece of like why we needed to be there. But very quickly we said, we need to build business software that transcends like a regulatory checkbox because these checkboxes could go away and hopefully will go away. And we need to be capturing the business and running the business and thinking about cost and thinking about operational enablement and thinking about the analytics on top of like, is this business performing or not performing? And then just bake in and sort of eat all this compliance regulatory stuff that we they do for folks. And we learned that when we looked at the market, when we launched, we said that we wanted to do that. And that was like very quickly validated that simply checking the box wasn't end all be all of what we're doing. We needed to really go a lot deeper. How do you internally stay ready for things like that? Is it that you have to make the software or do you just deal with that as it comes? I'm just, I'm curious with handling unforeseen sorts of things. Is there a way that you can buffer or prepare for stuff like that? Mentally prepare. So uh, <laughs> mentally know that 
what you thought you were working on today could be different. It's a mindset thing. You have to build systems that are flexible and adaptable. You have to think about that when you're building or you're coding, when you're building your automation on your testing. When you think about how quickly can I deploy? If you think about it, we work across just operator-wise, like all the time zones. And we have clients in Nevada that are 24-hour operations. So we need zero downtime deployment. We have like customers with over 100 store retail stores. They can't have an outage. They can't have downtime. There's a lot of work that we do as far as like process and RN to just be really resilient. And then when we're planning our work week and we do, we release code every other week, we do hot fixes and small releases sometimes in between, but we have an official release every other week. So it's just built like this culture of like very rapid innovation and rapid deployment and rapid releasing of sort of something from concept through in testing and deployment, like a lot of times in under two weeks, but often like within a couple of weeks or a month or two. And so we have, we have a way to capture content capture ideas and concept and things that we want to accomplish. And then we have a, we regularly revisit our prioritization processes. And then it's just, and then we just have to be very comfortable with a lot of dynamic change. When I interview people, sometimes I say, what happens if you bust your ass for three weeks and get this thing out and then it becomes obsolete the next week? Is that going to emotionally devastate you or not? Because you can't hold on to that emotionally, you know, because you accomplished the job that was needed. It worked, it did it, and then something could change and it could be obsolete. Some people can't work like that. Some people can't have that. So it's just, it's something you have to learn or something you have to be comfortable with to be successful, like in this space. Yeah. This is really insightful. And uh, Colton, when we get back from break, I'm curious, you guys are constantly rolling things out. You're constantly making changes. I'd love for you to take us into that process and how you're identifying features or what the process is for creating solutions and kind of working through the team. Because I think that whether people are in software or services or physical products, you guys you're in that flow much more frequently than other people. And so I think that you have some insights to share there. We're going to get into that right when we get back from break. Hey, y'all, thanks for tuning in today. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a podcast and content creation company. We like to think of ourselves as genius makers. So if you have a passion, a purpose, a mission, a message, a product, something that you want to get out to the world but don't have the time, the tech skills, or the team to be able to do it, we can help. Go to amplifymedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y media.com. You can also check the show notes for the link. And with that, let's get back to today's episode. So Colton, it seems like, you know, with you having the engineering kind of mind, I would imagine that you are, and, and push back on this if that's not the case, but you're the one that's more responsible for features and the product, and you're kind of in there, I would imagine, working with the engineering team to get this stuff rolled out. Is that a correct assumption? That's what I love to do. Uh, so I'm not in there all the time. I'm still doing a lot of other things for the business. But yeah, I play a really, really active role in helping translate that business need and business concept to the engineering team so we can deliver what our customers need. So take us into that. And you can talk about it as at high of a level of as you want. But when you think about creating a solution, you're seeing a problem that your customers are dealing with, and then all the way to getting a, an engineer to actually develop something and rolling it out and that whole, there's a lot of pieces, I would imagine to that. So what goes into that for you? How do you think about that whole process? Yeah, when I'm engaging with our customers and prospects, it's really about identifying what job they're trying to accomplish, right? So the whole purpose of software is to take process or capture data 
and move that faster and be able to look back at it later and understand what happened. And I want to say automate, but it doesn't always automate itself. It's more like facilitate that process. So when you're engaging on something, you need to understand how does that relate to the other folks in the org? How does it relate to the upstream and downstream? How does it relate between the front end experience and the back end database? How does it relate to the paper copy maybe that or the paper process that's in front of them? So like physically what's happening? And then also is this process happening in front of the product? Is it happening in another building? Is it happening working from home? Is it happening in real time or after the fact? So not that I have a list of 35 questions that I ask the customer when I'm talking about that, but mentally, I think behind like the discussion or behind the listening, those are all the aspects that you're trying to really holistically understand what is it I'm trying to accomplish, right? I'm trying to map this item to my general ledger. Okay, what is a general ledger? Like, is that a person that is in operations that responsible for that? Or is that person in finance? Okay, finance sets direction, but operations sets up the item. So how do they know? Like, how do you train on it? Who trains on it? When do they train on it? How often does that role change? There's just like whole line of questioning that sometimes it's verbal with whoever you're talking to and other times it's a little bit more internal and then sometimes it's then going back and like revalidating all that that's really the process of capturing what it is and i think working with product managers on our team over the years and just doing this and learning this it's almost as much as like about the experience of doing it than it is about someone teaching you and telling you what to do like you have to have that curiosity internally to ask those questions and dive deeper and try to understand like what is the meaning behind the words a person is saying and that also is another element of this we might not speak the same language right like my language my my acronym my jargon may not be what you are familiar with and the same vice versa you can't be shy in like asking what do you mean by that term (laughs) <laughs> what does that mean to you? And like, sometimes you're surprised, like, oh, okay, well, I've always called that this, but you call it something else, right? And so, you know, it's important to be just like super active in that listening process. And uh, I don't know, that's like a brain dump of all, the, of all that's going on, you know, inside the head as you're engaging with folks, just to understand it. And then being that on paper is important. So just dump it down, right? Take notes, write as much as possible. You're never going to write too much. Or you can write too much, but then you need to summarize it and succinct bullet points. And then as I think about, maybe I built a lot of Legos when I was a kid. So you think about all the pieces um, that have to be put together to like achieve that end goal. I think if you're going to be deep in product, you have to have some level of awareness of what it means to like write code. I don't develop, but you have to at least be able to sort of start asking, like, do we have a data structure that can handle this? Do we have a method of interacting with this that like maybe we've already developed and looks similar elsewhere? Uh, Is it feasible to go from point A to point B? And so that's where, that's where you go from like more theoretical or more, more business to more technical. And at some point you have to make that jump. And then you have to hire the right engineers that can take that and run with it. When so, there's different types of engineers that are out there, some people are very can very much take like a, a two sentence explanation and just go. And other people need a very detailed spec. And there's nothing wrong with either one of those. Um, they just serve different purposes in the engineering organization and different tasks that you're going to give them. And for us, it's always been about hiring the right skill set to then to be able to take something, even if it's only eighty or ninety percent there and then get it there. And then again, that kind of rapid feedback and rapid loop to improve it, get it right, and then ship it. 
I'm just always in this mindset when we want it done like yesterday, right? Some people have the luxury of taking time and running through a whole process and doing this big formal ceremony around designing something. But if you're earlier stage or you work in like a dynamic market or you don't have a ton of capital and a huge team, you don't have that luxury. You just have to compress it and just ship it. And then on that end, just so we don't break things, we invested early in a lot of automation on the testing side. It's no one loves writing tests from a dev side, but at the end of the day, like if you want to deploy with confidence, you need automation in place, especially if you're building something large and complex taking and dis- that discipline and doing that early and building on that year after year, you can deploy confidently and you're not up at five o'clock in the morning hoping nothing broke, that you can do that. And I know that was a lot I just threw at you, but that's the end in, in, in a couple minutes. Yeah. Well, it was great because the question I was going to ask is that you were talking about your process with the client, but then my question was going to be that you answered was then how do you translate that to the team? And you kind of talked about some of those things as well. And so we have a podcast production company and we have that same thing where I'm talking with the clients and then have to go to the team to try and translate that. But there's naturally some something that can be lost in that translation. And so you've put in steps there to make sure that it gets across. There's nothing that replaces a human conversation. Like I'm a huge whiteboard fan. We built the business on whiteboards as we went virtual. You can record things. You can share those recordings. You can do a Loom video and do a one or two minute verbal and video screen share and explain it. You can draw it out. There's so many tools out there right now to capture that. Like I, I'm also a big fan of just like bringing and, you know, I know some engineers like don't want to be in the background, but I'm like, no, come and be part of this conversation and use it and get your hands on it and talk to the customer. And like, you can only theorize and guess so much like it, it just had to ask and not be shy about asking. So, you know, it's uh, over communication is important. Assumptions will get you in trouble. This has been a fantastically insightful conversation. Colton, if people want to get more involved in your world or find out about Flourish, where's the best place to go? So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, Colton Griffin. You can search me at website, flourishsoftware.com, our socials at Finally Flourish. So that's Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I think we're on Facebook as well. But yeah, the cannabis community looks a lot on LinkedIn and a lot on Instagram. And I like Twitter as well. It's fun. I'm pretty accessible. And we're just, we're all building this together. So we're driving towards full national legalization as the end goal and trying to build lots of successful businesses. And our goal is to support our clients and help them scale and grow and be successful. And by doing that, we're building on that success and participating in it. We're always looking for good talent. We're always looking for good collaboration. We're always looking to just be a positive force in the world and connect with good like-minded people. So I appreciate you having me on here and talking a little bit about all the fun we get to have every day. Yeah, this was really fun. I would encourage all of you, if you made it this far, first off, I want to thank you for being here. If you got any value out of today, I would love a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know someone who is in the midst of scaling their business or thinking about starting one, please send in this episode. Or someone you know is in the cannabis industry, send in this episode and let's get them connected and move towards some national legalization, which I would imagine has some great upside for you guys as well. So Colton, thanks again for being here. You listeners, we appreciate you as well for being part of the tribe. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.